Welcome back to Grace Extended. I'm Steve Palanin, a member at Grace Church in Ridgewood, New Jersey. And joining me today is Kevin Kabbalah, also a Hello. member at Grace Church. Hey, Kevin. Uh, Kevin is a husband to Jenny and father uh, of two, Jude and Tessa. And uh, how old are Jude and Tessa now? Uh, Jude is six. They both in September have their birthdays. So Jude just turned six and Tessa just turned four. So fun age. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, <now>. yeah, we, <laughs> we both are fathers to little kids and um, members at Grace Church. And so we just thought it'd be a great time to, uh, to, to talk about some things today, especially since we're both teachers. So we're both uh, teaching public school at different levels. Um, and interestingly enough, uh, Kevin is a physics teacher, right? You teach physics now? Or just yeah. science? Um, I like 99% of the time teach physics. I have taught chemistry too. And I'm like certified to do both. But like, uh, yeah, I like physics a lot better uh, too. So um, yeah, I teach like, um, actually like we have a, I have a collaborative teacher, you know, and we do uh, like a inclusion class for physics too, you know? Um, so it's a, uh, He's a good guy I work with, you know, and we've been, um, I've been teaching with him for like five years on the inclusion class, which is half special ed. And, uh, you know, I, I really like it. Yeah. It's, uh, I really like that. Those students actually, you know, I really like them. Is that, so, mm-hmm. uh, I was just curious cause we'll get into like, you know, our normal situations, but you know, we're both now teaching public school during a pandemic where we have changed a lot of like the methods of what we do um so i was just curious um like what has teaching been like since this whole thing started like how i, I also like how many different ways have you taught <laughs> like have you taught kids in person or remotely or both or well yeah i guess in starting in march you know we're kind of thinking in the beginning maybe we'll be out for like two weeks or something like yeah, that. that uh you know, one thing about like our school, um, we we have like had uh, like pretty good like technological use for the students. Like we've had like the, each student gets one laptop for school for like uh, ever since even before I was there. So I think as far as technology goes, we've been like a school that always kind of pushed the limit on that, you know, mm. which made like the transition in March like easier, like. So it wasn't like a terribly different transition. I think the thing I miss the most is like when I start a new topic, like I really like to get the kids with like materials Hmm. in their hands, like a laser and a mirror and they could get some color pencils out and trace the laser on paper and stuff like that, you know, or like I tell them like what they should know, have them like discover it in the first place, you know? And they, and that really adds to them like buying in to it, you know? And I yeah. guess I really missed that part. And it was a great time to get a lot of like one-on-one with the kids, you know, and uh, develop those relationships with them, you know, while we go around and do labs and assist them, talk to them. And yeah, that was, I mean, I, I'm still, you know, I guess I'm still trying to figure out how to do labs, right? You know, yeah. like we're not supposed to be passing out stuff you know um i don't know have you felt with that you know like yeah well i since so teaching music like i miss the, the i'm missing the same thing which is that 
a great part about music class is the part that's hands-on, right? You have all this cool stuff in your classroom that the kids aren't using anywhere else. And, you know, having enough, you know, it's only recently that we have enough xylophones for everybody in the class to play at the same time, like even with a partner. And it's so exciting that I actually have to plan time for the students just to bang on the xylophones as they please. Because if I have them all set up in the room and then we try to do something that we rehearsed, um, they won't do it because they just want to like play back and forth with the mallets. So I just say like, okay, you can play for like five minutes, go. And they just play and they love it. And then when that's over, then they're really focused and ready because they got out of their system. And now we can't, like I have to skip all those lessons or I have to adapt them so that we use the song in a different way because, you know, you can't send a xylophone home. So I would, yeah, I I would think, especially like imagining science in high school as being purely theoretical seems really boring because what I remember about physics being enjoyable in high school was that you got to actually do stuff. You know, you got to set up the experiment. We had to go outside and do things on special days and, and please with like chemistry even. Is there, is there a way they could do experiments with like home items? I've recorded some experiments. Um, but I want students like writing, like designing experiments too. Mm-hmm. Uh, with home items, I think it'll be easier in this, what I do in the second half here, which is all like the motion stuff, you know, to have them do it at home. Um, but cause, cause at least they have like a ruler maybe, but honestly, like I don't expect the students to like, do I expect them to get a measuring tape? Mm. Uh, and it doesn't have, the centimeters on it which i want them to use and not the inches you know so no yeah that's true sometimes i don't trust them to do it as well at home feel like I, I gotta go around to the tables and see what they're doing and if i see them doing something wrong i'm not like yo hey you're doing that wrong i'm like hey uh what do you think about you know yeah. <laughs> measuring in inches here or i don't know it's just yeah it's uh they need guidance you know so just virtual in general is uh, difficult. Like I could do the notes virtually, you know, mm-hmm. but lit- I would, I do not like doing anything else virtually. Yeah. It seems, it seems like that would be really difficult, right? Cause you can't, you, you can't control what materials they have. And so you can say, get, get this, get this and get this, but then they don't all have the same and then they can't even collaborate really. So like the, when the ways that they would help yeah. each other out, you know, it's not like they can all go do the lab together. You, I would suppose you could force them to like keep their cameras on. And then I think Google's coming out with the breakout rooms. So, but they're not using the same materials. So they have to use like a video of me using the materials and then they can't design their own experiment, which I want them to do. So I don't know. So do you I, ever I mean, see them in I, the school? I do actually once every four school days, I see a the student you know so i have like 100 student or 80 some students and yeah so i have like groups of 10 basically that i see in the morning sometimes between 8 and 12 15 yeah and uh i see so it's more like the problem in person is that you're sharing the materials like it's like the labs aren't really designed for like every individual person to do them at the same time from their desk for- Right. And, and okay, that makes sense. I should have kind of like, thought of that. Like, right, you can't like socially distance if you're like at a lab table with three other people. 
You can't yeah, be six feet apart. You can't. Uh, but I, I don't know. You got to like, if they want them to be in the building, <laughs> you know? No, like yeah. Gotta, no, I, I totally understand I, that. It's true. They haven't told us like you can't use lab materials. But, right. Uh, uh, at the same time, you want to be careful. Yeah. You know? Right. No, I totally understand that. Yeah. So yeah. finding the balance, you know? But, uh, so what made you, because I, I, I assume, and maybe I'm wrong, but you said that you're certified to teach chemistry and physics. Um, so I'm assuming like when you go to school to teach science, like you might have a specialization yourself, but like you could probably get certified to teach like general science at like, like a middle school level, I'm saying. Like, so is it... Is it purely is it purely because you got a job teaching physics that you have cho- have you been put in this spot or did you particularly choose physics as like your favorite science to teach? I did choose it as my favorite, uh, but uh, like when I I went to TCNJ for college, so like I think I was a sophomore and I was studying physics and uh, I didn't want to like work in a lab. Okay. I kind of hit a wall as far as math was going. So in the topic, like it was, I don't know why it just came to her nat- naturally. I think I just like to play with numbers and stuff like that, especially yeah. when it came to sports and just things like that, you know? Um, so I, I guess I was just like, well, I know that stuff from high school. I know I could teach it, you know? Uh, I want to get a job when I leave. And I was kind of connecting the dots, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, really like this girl want to get married, want to get a job, you know? <laughs> so just connecting the dots, it's like, uh, do physics, you know? Yeah. Uh, really like, I mean, there's some things that are mind blowing about the subject too, that really are, um, attracted me to it besides just it coming, uh, easily to me, you know? Uh, yeah, what were, what were some of those things? Uh, I guess I read a book about, special relativity okay it's, it's uh what was designed by einstein when he was bored at work <laughs> uh <laughs> basically <laughs> he um he asked the question like um if you like you know if you some people could for instance like you could run away from somebody on a bike you know and they'll never like catch up to you if you both like run at the same speed you know okay but he was asking like well if you turn like a lamp on you know can you like run away from the light that's heading towards you okay and, like it will never reach you like if, what if you moved at the same speed as the light the light was the bicycle that was chasing you mm-hmm. and uh that was uh, a dangerous question in a way because you created a scientific revolution i guess most people don't think about the scientific revolution happened only a hundred years ago in physics, but interesting. Um, I definitely don't think that. Yeah. I mean, um, I mean, in high school, we still teach Newton stuff from the 1600s, uh, right. because, um, uh, now is that still correct? Like, or is that still considered most, correct when you, uh, yeah. I mean, if everybody's going about the same speed in the world as each other and nobody's zooming by each other at the speed of light or something very fast and close to that, then that stuff all is correct, you know, within like, uh, you know, 
you'd have to have a crazy, crazy measuring device to notice the errors. <laughs> okay, I see. So yeah. it's so it's we're all saying very, that... very, very close to correct. Yeah. Okay. In our so, everyday life. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So yeah. before Einstein, we're talking like very observable physics just within our like our world as we perceive it normally. Yeah. But then it, the, Einstein's taking it a step further. The weird thing he discovered was that if you run away from the light and you get faster and faster and faster, you're going a million miles an hour to your million miles an hour. Um, the light still catches up to you as if you were standing still. Now, I remember learning this. <laughs> it's weird. It's I, weird. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to ask, how is that possible? Like, what does well, that, what does I that guess, show like, us about what things, is though? moving anyway? Right. You know? Yeah. So uh, is the question, like, how do you know whether or not you are moving in the first place? You know, it was like a question he started to ask or actually a question that, sorry, that was a question that like sparked him to even think about this. Like you ever been on like, uh, I guess I use this in class, you know, you ever been, uh, you're tired, you're leaving New York city on the uh, NJ transit. Right. And, uh, you, there's a train next to you. You're looking out the window. You got the window seat. Yes, but you know <laughs> you're looking out, and you like when your train starts moving, it starts like you you can't really feel it necessarily. There might be a little jerk, you know, but you think you feel the little jerk, and you start moving. And I finally get to go home tired, but uh, the train you, you notice eventually it was the train next to you that was moving the opposite way. <laughs> because oh, right it was just like the wall you just see the wall behind it eventually because it leaves and you're like i wasn't moving i wasn't uh, right everything you were watching out the window made it look as if you were moving so like what's the difference on a road if you're like moving at like 50 miles per hour isn't the road just moving at like 50 miles per hour in the other direction and you're just standing still well i think I would, my first instinct is to say no, because the road's not moving. <laughs> well, but it is on the earth and isn't there right. Moving? There you go. Right. <laughs> right. That's what I was about to say is that we're all, when we're sitting yeah. still, like the earth is rotating extremely fast. But maybe that's controversial. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, I don't, I don't think so. I think that's not these days. Anyway, maybe 500 years ago it was controversial. Right. <laughs> right. That's true. Right. Yeah. yeah. Now it's kind of like, well, it's hard to deny that. Um, right. So, so motion's relative. So that's the thing. You know, who's moving anyway is when you talk about the light thing. Motion has to be measured in relative to something else. Right. I see. Yeah. You're always moving past something else. Like I'm measure I'm going fifty miles per hour, but usually what we mean is relative to the ground, you know. And so you said you are gonna be teaching your unit on motion, right? In the spring. Is this what we're talking about now? Is this like one of the things that is your favorite thing to teach or do you have a favorite concept? There. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, that's up there because, you know, it like opens doors to kids to like be like, well, you know, like that's as far as we're going to take it, you know, but uh, the kids can like, it's cool to tell them like I was interested in this when I was your age, you know, and like you can read more about it and learn more than me, you know? Uh, but uh, I think things that cause science to like change and like a revolution maybe to happen where they kind of get like a whole new paradigm to like what's going on is really interesting, you know? Hmm. Um, where they have to like recreate the whole framework 
of uh, of it, you know. So Newton did that in the 1600s. Einstein did it 100 years ago. And and is Newton just the fact that he was uh, observing gravity? Because well, I just think of the apple, right? The apple from the tree hits him on the head, and then he's. Uh, oh yeah, I think it's a myth, right? Well, yeah, uh, I'm sure, but I feel like that's but, like what I still think oh, of yeah, when I think yeah. of Newton. He did so many things. He was like, um, he was very religious, actually. Yeah. You know, like, that's why I, I heard he was like that, a, right? He was, yeah. like, he, he was like a devout Christian, I think. Yeah, and uh, he was also like super, super jealous of like people. Like he wouldn't even like he had a friend. Like we wouldn't even. I wouldn't be a teacher if it wasn't for like one of his friends was like picked up some of his papers and was like, why aren't you publishing this? This is crazy. You're like, this is like, uh, you're talking about this thing called gravity, you know, about this, the forces that make the apple falls, the same thing that makes the planets revolve around the sun, you know? Wow. Uh, and like, he's like, eh, you know, I got an equation for it, stuff like that, you know, uh, so we can measure it and open up a whole new million questions that people could try to measure all these things and see if I'm right. But his friend's like, why aren't you publishing it? He's like, they don't deserve to know about it. You know, he's like a <laughs> jealous person. <laughs> uh, a lot of weird characters, I guess, you know, but um, I guess it's just like when things change, you know, and there's interesting questions that people ask. It's kind of, cool, you know? Yeah. That is cool. Like if it wasn't for Einstein's relativity, we wouldn't have like GPS systems or anything. Really? Yeah, like relativity because like um, that's more like general relativity, which would be um, how like gravity is like a bit weaker higher up for satellites. But that doesn't just mean that things fall like a little slower. It means that like um, time moves slower up there a little bit, you know. <laughs> Uh, relative to us again you know but um if they weren't able to like put that in the calculations none of the gps systems would really work and and the technology we use a gps matches up with his theory which is like pretty uh wild that he thought of that 100 years ago you know wow just like when he was bored when you say when he was bored he was he he worked as a like uh patent writer so got a lot of his work done at like he was, I guess it's like work theft there. <laughs> right, right. For him. <laughs> yeah. That company is like, Whoops. we want some of this now. Yeah. That's really funny. Uh, okay. So one, one thing I'm thinking of when I think of like, when you say like paradigm shifts, right? Yeah. Like I feel like what we hear about in the history of science when these big things happen, right? I mean, the typical thing we hear either whether it's on a documentary on TV or something is that there was a huge paradigm shift in science and nobody liked it. It was super controversial, especially like the church didn't like it because it, you know, undermined some dogmas that they had and whether or not that's really true, because I feel like yeah. today we don't see that so much. And I don't think it's just because the church has kowtowed to science and said, Oh, well, I guess we, 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 we were wrong. It's more like, the new science still lines up with our beliefs or didn't change it. And it was like, you know, wrong to be so hard on it before. Um, But not so much that that the beliefs were wrong, but I guess I'm curious that you, you like the paradigm shifts. Um, Like, wouldn't it, uh, wouldn't having the previous science undermined, like be a problem? 
You know, like I know, like you just said, like yeah, right. Isaac Newton's not right. really wrong, but like to have what if somebody came, you know, came along and had something else that undermined Einstein? And it will, you know. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't say undermined. It would say like, uh, I guess like I'm not the type of person where like, um, like Richard Dawkins or you know Bill Nye, where like although I like some things Bill Nye does, like. I think there's like a certain perspective in some scientists, which is not the majority at all. Like where like uh, there's things that are facts and there's things that are beliefs and there's a difference between those two things, you know? Um, And like, and they, they classify like beliefs as like negative, you know, and facts as things that are positive, like, like that, um, that are scientific and proven, you know, um, they use that, they love to use that word, but that, again, that's not most scientists. That's, uh, you know, so I guess like, I like the murky kind of areas, you know, and I find that interesting when people like have like differences, opinion and dialogue. And I feel like more growth happens that way, you know? Uh, and I think those paradigm shifts are cool. Cause it's like, how do you like base what you know to be true? How, how do you like, so we know this to be true now, but we knew this to be true before. It's like, well, what I'm based on what basis, you know, are you building this knowledge? You know, is really, really interesting. And I think some people well, on the other side, will use this to say like, Oh, well science, you know, it's just a theory. And, uh, and, uh, in fact, it's like, uh, science is like a gold standard of knowledge um because it's just like we always try to use evidence and to and and find connections between pieces of evidence to back up um what we believe to be true you know in science like i teach my kids at at the end of labs like you're going to make a claim about what you think is true but you you have to write evidence like from your data your graphs and you also have to use reasoning about <clears throat> from your notebook, which other scientists have confirmed with their experience and theories they've developed. So you have to have both, you know, and um, like you have to show that this connects to other pieces of science and you have to use like actual measurements as your evidence that you did, you know, too. Um, so I really think it's a, the scientific method is a great process, you know, but like, that doesn't mean there's no room for growth, you know, <laughs> like to get better and better and learn new things. You know, it's not like, like what, what I was talking before about like, Oh, Einstein disproved Newton. He didn't really disprove him. He just asked like new questions that Newton hadn't asked before, you know, and then found that Newton had maybe, you know, not been precise enough with his measurements. And although his two theory was good, we can't like, like science, we're never, we're human, you know, like we're never going to be, science is never going to be perfect, you know, but this doesn't mean there's not room for growth, you know, and that's why paradigm shifts are cool because it's like room for growth, you know. That's really cool. Yeah, that, yeah. that's very clear too. That makes a lot of sense. Um, it makes me now want to be excited about paradigm shifts in science. That's really neat. Um, so like, I think we're sort of hinting at this now. Uh, what is the interplay between uh, science and faith for you, because yeah. just like we've mentioned, like there are some prominent popular voices that, 
you know, do exactly what you said. The sort of like beliefs are, you know, silly. We really need the facts here. And they sort of put religion or organized religion or popular religion under beliefs only, not facts. We need to follow science only. And so it seems like already you don't see like a total dichotomy here between like either science or religion, um, either facts or belief. Um, so like, I don't know, like what's that interplay like for you between science and faith? Well, when I talk about like the thing, like scientific, like facts, what I really want to like talk about is um, beliefs that have like good evidence. And then I'm like, what a fact is, it's a belief with good evidence that you're okay. confident in. Like, um, like every experiment we do in science that confirms these so-called facts just makes us more confident it, that they're true. It doesn't like prove them necessarily, you know, like prove is such an absolute word. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, again, we're human. We're not God. So like, how are we proving anything? You know, uh, yeah. well, like some, we're just, some people like, I would yeah. say like some like philosophers ask that question, like, can you prove anything at all? You know? Yeah. Well, I think you could be confident in things though, you know, like as you do more experiments and get more evidence, you know? Um, and I think like, I guess maybe I'll use Hebrews 11 and one, right? Like that's it. it. Faith is like, uh, that, um, geez, can I quote it anymore? <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> it's being sure of what you don't see, you know, right. uh, is, is what I remember from that. And, um, like there is, even with science, we're trying to limit what we don't see, you know, and, but we're still, there's still some leap there, you know, but we're trying to make the leap smaller so we can know more, you know, but That's we're never really going to cool. make the, eliminate the leap at all, you know? Yeah. Um, I guess like, as far as it interacts with like religion, um, that's the way I kind of see like those two like married together, but like religion, even like, uh, I don't know if you've studied the, uh, when I was in college, I used to look at like the evidence for like historicity of the gospels and yeah. stuff like that, those books, but they, they use the scientific method too, you know, with archeology span and, um, just gathering data basically to support the idea that like, uh, several ideas that, Jesus is real, that he is God, that he was resurrected, all those different issues that come up, you know, and they use the scientific method for that, you know, and I think that's great, you know, uh, just gathering evidence. Even Paul used it, right, in like First Corinthians 15. He's like, this person saw it, that person saw it, you know, that Jesus yeah, was true, yeah. resurrected, right? So I think like, you know, he was in like a Greek culture that's pretty similar to like what we do today, you know. Um, or was talking to Greek cultures, you know, and they were very skeptical. They used the scientific method like we do. So there's a lot of similarities there. It means a lot to me that you said that facts are, I think I want to get this right, beliefs with good evidence. Is that what you said? Yeah, yeah, yeah because... and you could be confident as you add evidence. Yeah. I like to choose those words carefully, you know? Yes, ab well, absolutely. And I do, because you don't want to undermine facts like, oh, well, we can't know anything or something like that. But um, I think that that relates a lot to um, the, the the Christian faith because I think it allows for like a smooth slope from science into uh, religion because religion, you know, I mean, like, uh, in Christianity, we we're making these huge uh, truth claims, you know, mm -hmm. that Jesus yeah. is God and he rose from the dead. Okay, well, if you're claiming this, like, 
where is the evidence that this that this could be true? And mm-hmm. that's like what you said, the scientific method. Uh, you have a hypothesis, and then okay, where's the evidence that this could be true? Let's let's experiment some things to prove that. And I think, um, well, I know we've seen people do that with textual criticism with the Bible, uh, with other ancient texts, like other things that we're learning from the ancient world. And that's a whole other yeah. scientific study, right? Of like going into the past and not with just archaeology, but like going into old texts and saying like, okay, what happened back then? And there's all processes that we do for that. And I think, um, I guess I, I guess I just, I just think like we, we might put more science and more scientific study into our faith than we think we do. So when we're faced with arguments from science yeah. about how our faith is not true, we kind of like get a little intimidated by that and go like, oh, I don't really know because you're a scientist. Oh my gosh. Or, you know, like, you know about science, <laughs> you know, when, when in fact yeah. our faith has a lot of science <laughs> behind so it. Smart. <laughs> right, right, right. So, yeah. <laughs> I think uh, one person I really appreciate who once a uh, scholar, N.T. Wright, if you ever heard of him, he uses yeah. the scientific method a lot um, and all the available like texts. And he's just so like, he's really well read on like all the ancient texts and comparing them to Christianity. And he's somebody who just has a solid faith in Jesus, you know, and um, he, he had like, one series of books it's impossible hardly to make it through all of them but he just goes through all the nerdy stuff if you want to know one like whole 500 page book on the resurrection and uh just you know he's he's a cool he's a cool dude you know nt right i think it's called the resurrection of the son of god or something like yeah. that yeah yeah and it's it is part of a series that's like book three and it's like oh like <laughs> like it's like it's like if you want to read how historians do history like with using the scientific method ooh, you know that's right that's how he he is you know with that a lot of times i find like even especially in my like department at school like uh some people who study science like they kind of get this you know for the most part uh what we've been talking about you know and uh they uh tend to be more, um, I think knowing the scientific method, knowing your beliefs could change makes you more open-minded, even to people who are religious, you know, uh, and kind of like, if you find like humanities versus science, there's more Christians in science than humanities, for instance, you know, yeah. uh, like when people have studied that, but, um, yeah, I think it, you know, that scientific method complements our faith. I do think there are some areas where like uh, certain uh, theories of science might disagree with certain articles of faith too, you know, and there's no easy solutions sometimes to like uh, literally reading Genesis three. Right. Fall and evolution. I, I just don't, I don't think there's an easy solution there. You know, I think if there was an easy solution, it would have been, <laughs> it would have been already thought through. Yeah, I was like, yeah, that'll be our next episode, by the way. I'm just kidding. No, no way. Yeah, that that's a tough one <laughs> right there. Yeah, because there's so much. Yeah, you know, I don't know what what you. I I honestly don't. You know, whatever people want to believe with that stuff, I'm, I'm I just like to listen to people. You know. Yeah. Well, I think there's. So. I think it's fair to say, uh, firstly, that um, while your interpretation of Genesis definitely well anyone's interpretation of genesis um 
will impact uh, the way that you see the rest of Scripture and could impact your belief or an, in how, how, how you view the gospel. Um, I think in terms of the how of everything happened, um, like, I think there's definitely openness there to make it like not absolutely essential that you that want that a Christian holds to one particular interpretation of the beginning. You know, yeah. I think I think if we're faithful to the for, to the text and we're humble to, to the to the text to what that the, the text is telling us, like the why and the who of why the world was made and, one God, and who yeah. made the world. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think I think if we all can agree on those things, then there's room for speculation and yeah. uh, interpret and maybe not interpretation, but like uh, you know, yeah, speculation and questions into how did that really happen? And what was it really like? And what was time like back then? And yeah. Like, you know, but I, I, I always think like, I don't want to marry the two things together at all, you know, because oh, like, really? okay. Because like, I just you mean, feel you like mean, if like you're science the person who, with this like science and Genesis, I, I, see. I, I don't want to find easy solutions there. Cause, yeah. uh, I guess I was a grown up. My dad was telling me, well, how long was a day? I'm like, dad, I, I really think like the writer knew how long a day was, you know, I, I you know, and I really, I don't want to, you know, no, I, totally and, and I know agree. that's like an easy solution that's accepted by like a lot of people, you know, and, um, I, I don't want to marry the two too easily with like a hand wave like that, you know? Um, like, I also think, like, it's, like, probably whoever's writing that initially is not, they're just in a different culture than us, you know what I right. mean? And they're not oh, trying totally. to answer those same exact, like, they're trying to answer the question that we're trying to answer of, like, who is God? Does he love us? Are we evil? Um, those questions are similar, you know, but there's a lot of questions when it comes to, like, uh, what we call science today that are very different than, so I, I think context is important and I don't try to marry the two contexts together. Yeah. I was thinking yeah. about this too in preparation for this was that, you know, yeah, they, they were not in a culture where, uh, oh, I'm sorry. They were in a culture where it was just accepted that God was there and God was the, God was the creator. And so uh, I think that, now we're in a strange situation where um, one of the problems with marrying, you know, uh, the side of science, if you want to put it that way, and the side of religion and faith is that um, science seems to ha- start from a foundation of there is no God. Like kind of assumed like if there was a God, we could scientifically prove him, but we're not going to like make a hypothesis about God and then try to scientifically prove that. We're just going to assume naturalism. I hope they don't too, because that would be like, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know. <laughs> no, 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 no. doing that, right? Yeah, it's a, that's all, you know? You know what? I got, uh, you know, I'm totally curious as to why would you not, why would you not want that? Like as, you know, from man, like, someone who so loves science. So if we were able to like clearly demonstrate from a human perspective that like there is the God and remove all doubts whatsoever. Like, wouldn't we, uh, isn't that what Adam and Eve 
tried to do in the garden, like what you know, when they tried to like uh, eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You know, I thought that was what the point of that story was, right? Like that we should just kind of like take a, a deep breath and like um, just like humble ourselves a little bit, you know. And I've learned that as I gotten older, just like humble yourself with faith and not be able to like answer every single question, and that's okay, you know. Um, and sometimes trying to answer every question is just, um, it's just like your anxiety talking probably, you know, uh, <laughs> for me anyway, <laughs> you just youthful angst and stuff like that, you know, um, when like God really just calls you to be a little humble and say like, uh, I, I know you, I love you. I want to follow you. I believe in you. And, um, it's like, you don't got to know everything. That's yeah. All. No, that's, that's very interesting. Yeah. I was, um, I think that's actually really cool to have that, that, that point of, of humility while also I'm still taking that one quote you said before, um, you know, uh, about facts are things we're very confident in because they're beliefs with very good evidence. Right. I want to use, I want to use the right words now because you said I want to be careful with the words. I I read like, I'm stealing words from someone else. I'll be no, you can't. that's yeah. okay. I, I will not quote you this. as yeah. Kevin Kabbalah saying that. Yeah. I will just say that those are good words. But but I think it's cool because even taking it, taking that those same uh, that same quote to our faith, like if we're feeling doubts in our faith or we're doubting what we've uh, come to know as true as Christians, um, we can be confident that. You know, we 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 have these very we, we we have these beliefs with very good evidence uh, in the Bible. And if you want to know, if anybody who's listening wants to know more about that, there's definitely places where you can go to know how good the evidences are. One good book is um, "The Case for Christ" by Lee Strobel. Just want to it's go right? There. That's just a good like start start a uh, starting point. But like we have these good evidences, and so we can be more confident in them um, as you know as we are confident with other facts too. Um, I think it's interesting. I, I really love what you've said about science because I feel like I haven't heard the perspective before um, uh, and the humble perspective you take because it just seems like such such a dichotomy because science is so, so, so based in naturalism and people get kind of angry about that. Uh, but that, um, and then faith is so be- like believe obviously not in naturalism that we are not just like, all there, all that there is, is the natural world, and that's it. Um, so, I just think that that's really. I like. I just like your perspective. That's really, really valuable yeah. to me. It, it's definitely true. I mean, obviously, for both of us, we find things about nature, you know, that does point us to God. You know, it's just we don't kind of like rely on that. I guess you know. Yeah. Like there are things that are beautiful about the world and the design of it. You know, that's like, oh my gosh, there must be a creator. You know, but. Uh, you know, that's, you know, it, it's cool and makes us worship, but it's not like the uh, end all be all there, you know, it's just kind of a cool thing to worship once in a while, you know, that's I don't cool. know. <laughs> no, that is really neat. Um, was it ever a struggle for you to read parts of the Bible with your, with a background in science or did oh, yeah. you, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, you know, I think, yeah, it's as, as a, when I was younger, yeah, I think, 
uh, before, like, I forget who turned me on to the idea of that, like, some of the questions that, like, we're trying to be answered in Genesis are the same as we're trying to answer today. Like, who is God? Um, who am I? You know, who is there evil? Why is there evil? You know, and uh, what's God going to do about it? You know, at the end of Genesis three, right? Um, but some just aren't. This, and we're trying to bring these questions that they didn't have back then. You know, mm, that's interesting about evolution, and then we're trying to impose it on the text and the text is just like not willing to <laughs> deal with those questions, you know, at all. <laughs> uh, and, and like, I don't, I could care less, like you come down on one side or the other personally, you know, because like, as I've gotten older, like I've learned to like, even like, I didn't, I grew up in like a family where my dad's a science, a science, you know, and evolution was just expected to like, it's just, you know, and I guess like as I've gotten older, I've gone to like, I became a Christian in college and then I was angst filled about it. I'm like, I have to believe in all this literally now it's contradicting what I was growing up sort of mm. taught about some things in science, not all, but some things. And I guess it's like, which one's true, which one's true. And it's like, well, you might not know, you know, and that's okay. I took me years to figure out. And, uh, oh, I was trying to get to is as I've gotten older, like I, at points I was angry that people would be so literal without the Bible and there's such good evidence mm-hmm. for things like evolution. And they would be just like, why can't you just like read it with like answer, like for like the point of the story is that we, we make evil choices and that brought evil into the world and, and ignore some of the other things. And then I was like, you know what? So many people in our country grew up just like not the way I grew up, you know, like and not being taught this in their home. And, and like, you got to respect them too, you know, to an extent. So like, I just like to hear everybody, what everybody thinks, you know, um, from all sides of this. And cause I'm willing to learn more, you know, I don't know about, yeah. about it, you know? So, whatever you want to show me, God, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I just, you could be super creationist museum or super atheist guy, you know, and I'd like to hear what you have to say. That's cool. That's really great. And it's nice to hear that like humble perspective through that. So if, uh, if the, uh, this is my last question. So um, now that we, so we know that like you can hold both science and the Bible uh, there are there are situations where it's it's a struggle or it has been a struggle to accept the things in the Bible, but you kind of come to terms with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, how do you keep the Bible as your foundation as you study science when, like, I feel like it's very popular to do the opposite? Uh, yeah, I mean, like, I think I think when I read the Bible. Like I try to use, and, and I know this isn't like always hot, but I try to think about context, like who, who wrote the book, like what questions were they trying to answer? And I think when we think about the Bible, I like, I don't think of it as like 
and I know I always got frustrated reading it and like God's like writing to me. Like I always felt like he was writing to, like he is writing to me in a way, yeah. you know, like, but he, he's also like literally writing like with Paul's letters, like he's literally writing to the Galatians. You know right. what I mean? Like, absolutely. Uh, like every word in there is intended for a, a specific set of people in Galatia, you know? Yep. And that doesn't mean I can't say it's true for a lot of those things are true for me, but like um, I, I try to keep context important when I read it. And, and I think there's room for uh, like, I think there, and I think that makes people have different opinions about things, you know, uh, sometimes yeah. some issues, uh, I but agree. I think if you look at it, as a whole, like there is one message and the gospel is, is, is the one message that comes out of it. And that like, there's certain things that are true in every book, right. <laughs> you know, that, that we are, uh, you know, sinners and that we are in need of being saved and that, uh, God sent his son to save us. And, uh, he rose from the dead and, uh, by following him, we could have new life, you know, and that's uh, that message, I think, is the foundation throughout the Bible, you know, and yeah. I think it's it's easy to kind of see that, you know, that even in the Old Testament, God's trying to renew humanity um, or preparing them for Jesus as well, you know, Um yeah, and so I guess the gospel is the foundation. Uh, yeah, and and like I, as I've gotten older, I've I, I used to be frustrated with very literal readings uh, that don't take context into account. And even yeah. maybe in the past year, I've learned to like just like be like, well, you read it like super literally cool, you know, like, and you read it with context. That's more important. Cool for you. You know, let's get along and be friends anyway. Right. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Let's share the gospel as our foundation. Let's focus on that. You know? Um, uh, so I don't know. Yeah. No, I think that's super helpful because, uh, right. In, in depending on how uh, people take certain passages, whether literally or th- they're really, really trying to find the original context and then glean meaning out of that. Uh, we still have the foundation of we're using the Bible as our guide and we are trusting the Lord that he is speaking through his word to us. Right. And I think one thing that you said that I've um, that I think is definitely true, true to say is that just like the example of Galatians, the Bible is written for us, but it is not all necessarily written to us. So we're listening. We we have to know, like when Jesus is speaking, you know, sometimes it's really helpful to know, is he speaking to the Pharisees? Is he speaking to his disciples? Mm -hmm. But then there's other times where it's like, yeah, actually, I mean, it's helpful to know that, but it also doesn't matter because Jesus said it and it does kind of apply to you in this moment, you know, like, so I, I definitely think, yeah, there is liberty in some of that, but also it, it is really helpful to know your context because you could potentially be, um, you know, I want to be careful on how I say this too, but you could potentially be holding yourself or someone else to something, uh, based on a literal reading that 
is that goes too far, you know? And so I think and what I do hear from you in terms of science and faith is that there is a pursuit of truth there, right? So like when we're, when you're finding things out through the, through the, the scientific method, if it's, you know, through the, through the natural world, you know, scientists are searching for truth. And I think that we can say yes and amen to searching for truth. And same thing when we approach our Bibles, you know, we want harmony in uh, what we, in, in uh, you know, what, what, or you want harmony in what you're seeing in science and what you're seeing in the Bible. And you know that, okay, well, if there's, doesn't seem to be harmony here, uh, perhaps, uh, perhaps there is harmony, but I just haven't seen it quite yet. So let me look at the context of this. Let me, let me, let me remember that, like, I'm comparing a modern scientific study to an ancient, you know, document from antiquity. And, you know, both of those things, perhaps I have different understandings and perspectives on, and I can search for that harmony, like, more closely by examining them both more closely. And, and also having that open mind of, you know, it might not really harmonize, but yeah. I can't understand everything. Like, it's not <laughs> my job to know, have absolute knowledge. And so if I don't see the harmony, it doesn't mean that now I have to rethink everything. It's just to say, you know what? I just, it does just, I don't understand that right now. And that's okay. So, well, yeah, Kevin, I'm really happy that we had to have this conversation. Thanks for being the first brave soul to have a soul member interview with me (laughs) i think it it went really well it's really really fun for me um let me nerd out a little bit so yeah well uh, you let me nerd out a little bit i actually just unleashed my nerd on you and everyone else (laughs) who's listening to this but um all right well thanks for coming on and i'm gonna do a little closing You've been listening to Grace Extended, a podcast of Grace Church in Ridgewood, New Jersey. Please subscribe to the podcast and you will receive our episodes as soon as they are released. To find out more about Grace Church, go to gracechurchnj.net. You can send us an email at the podcast by emailing gracenjpodcast at gmail.com. We'll be back next week and we look forward to seeing you then.